A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What's it like to be face-to-face with pure evil? the guest of an unpredictable, ruthless and frequently homicidal African dictator. The documents are a recent discovery that mashes together the worlds of documentary film and audio. In interviews with some of the world's top documentary makers, it uncovers some great stories about how they do what they do. For example, how they get access to their subjects or manage their sometimes difficult relationships with them. The Yellow Laugh is all about the challenges facing a filmmaker called Barbe Schroeder back in 1974, making a documentary called General Idi Amin Dada a self-portrait. It's about the notorious Ugandan dictator, whose brutal regime caused the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people in this small East African country in the 70s. Idi Amin took over Uganda in a coup in 1970, and he ruled the country for most of the decade with unusual brutality. He bragged of cannibalism, reportedly kept his enemies' heads in a refrigerator at his beach house. Ricardo Orizio says he was known for broadcasting executions on television. And making sure that uh, the people who were going to be executed were wearing white shirts in order to make the blood more visible to television viewers. But while Amin was a murderous sociopath, he was also a very affable, colorful sociopath. I know exactly when, how, what time I am going to die. This I know. And which year and which date. All this I know already. And it is a secret. I have said this clear. As the years went by, he would become more brutal, but also more eccentric. He ultimately anointed himself His Excellency, President for Life, Field Marshal Alhaji Dr. Idi Amin Dada, VC, DSO, MC, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the seas, and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. I wanted to do a portrait of, uh, of him, but I didn't feel... I had the knowledge or the right to decide myself how the portrait was going to be, and that if I ask him to do a self-portrait, it would be much more revealing and it would be more exciting. Did someone just call him? I mean, how do you reach out to a dictator, an African dictator? You just say, hi, I want oh, to make... No, the, the ambassador of France uh, called him. They say, listen, our country wants to do... a." A television on you, uh, will you be interested? Ah. <laughs> and uh, the first meeting was, I want you to tell me uh, what you want in this movie. I want you to encourage me to go in this direction or this direction. Consider yourself that you are going to help me. You're going to tell me what to do. But you have to be in the shot. I'll do whatever, whatever you want, but with you in the shot explaining. Uh, so, uh, and that was it. That was the the first meeting. 
And then he, he liked it because he felt that uh, I was there to understand. I was there to be excited, to understand, and to laugh. I was laughing every time he was saying something funny. So he was encouraged by his audience. <laughs> we call it a, a yellow laugh in French, meaning you, you, you laugh and you're not really laughing. You're, you're terrified also. Yes. So that was the deal. Schroeder was going to let a madman tell him where he should go and what he should shoot. And every day, he and famed Cuban cinematographer Nestor Almendros would show up at the Ministry of Information to find out what Amin had dreamed up for them. They ended up filming him reviewing his troops and playing the accordion at a party and dancing with local tribesmen with a shield and a spear. I enjoyed that very much, especially when he started having fun with making a movie. Idi Amin had a really strange idea of fun. Like the day he called out the military to show Schroeder how easy it would be for the Palestinians to take back the territory they'd lost to Israel in the 1967 Six-Day War. Now advance. Advance. Amin seems very pleased with himself, riding on top of a tank in his beret and sunglasses. But his soldiers look a little unclear about what they're supposed to be doing, so they just plod through the tall grass, firing at who knows what. Of course, it was totally ridiculous and, and, and pathetic, but <laughs> it became a hilarious uh, a moment. And then at one point, he says to the cameraman, because there's a helicopter coming, and he had arranged all those helicopters, and he said to the cameraman, film the helicopter. Because helicopter are now coming. So he gives an order to the camera, and the camera pans and goes to film the helicopter. For me, it was a, like a, an orgastic uh, moment in, in the movie. It still is. Victory over Golan Heights. There are also much more quiet, more personal moments in the film, like when Amin is playing with some of his children. The movie says he had 18, but he claimed he had 43. I am very good marksman. <laughs> A little bit of voiceover mentions that he wouldn't allow any of his wives to be filmed. Apparently, he was about to swap a couple of them out of the rotation. <laughs> yeah. But I like, I like children very much. Yes, they are very happy. <laughs> At no point does Amin act overtly monstrous. In fact, it's that strange mixture of evil and affability that Schroeder found so compelling. But is it true that you said Hitler didn't kill enough Jews during the war? <laughs> of course, nobody in Uganda would dare speak to Amin the way Schroeder did. And you can feel that while you're watching the movie. No matter how festive the scene is, the smiles that you see on people's faces seem forced. They laugh too easily and too long. Like when five or six men somehow managed to get roped into a little swim meet with Idi Amin. They're all standing at the edge of a pool, though Amin seems about twice the size of everybody else. Ready? Go. 
Amin's arms flail around wildly as he swims right over two of the other men. The rest of them seem to be moving very slowly, and one of them might not even be able to swim. I won. This is a movie that's filled with yellow laughs, as Schroeder says. It's hilarious in a bone-chilling way. There just always seems to be some kind of sinister subtext. For instance, there's a scene of a little cruise on Lake Victoria. Amin is sitting in a small motorboat in a blue uniform. He's like a kid. He's so excited about the elephants and the hippos. But that is not what they're really there to see. The boat slows along the grassy banks of the lake, where there's a huge crocodile. Its mouth is wide open. I think this might be captain of crocodile. <laughs> yes, he understands me now. He's moving. <laughs> very big. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. It's hard to know why this scene is so creepy. And only later did Schroeder look back and understand what Amin was really showing him. I had talked to a few local people, and I remember very well sitting at a restaurant in Kampala. This was the capital. And uh, there is next to it uh, Lake Victoria, and there's a big dam, electrical dam. At one point, the electricity went out in the restaurant, and they had to take out the candles and say, oh, well... This is okay, I'm used to it. Many countries don't have the luxury of having electricity all the time. And they say, well, this, we think that if it's at this hour, this means that the turbines of the dam have stopped because they've been blocked. And I, I say, oh, yeah, but do not block how? Well, it's a little bit embarrassing, but it's the bones or the bodies of the people who have been fed to the crocodile and the crocodile couldn't eat them all. The Yellow Laugh from KCRW's The Document. And this episode's about free solo, one man's attempts to solo climb the vertical 1,000-metre El Capitan rock face in the Yosemite National Park. People in the documentary world are always going on about whether the presence of the camera changes what it captures. They usually don't talk about whether their cameras will kill their subjects. But that's exactly what Chai Vassarelli and Jimmy Chin had to worry about while they were filming Alex Honnold climbing El Capitan for their new movie, Free Solo. And they started worrying about it the moment Alex uttered the words El Capitan and Free Solo in the same sentence. I immediately asked Chai three or four times, he said what? <laughs> she said, oh, he's, he said he wants to free solo El Cap. And I said, he said what? You know, I mean, it took me a bit of time to really kind of wrap my head around it. At which point I took a step back and said, you know, I don't, I don't know if we should make this film you know, because your, your mind goes to immediately the worst case scenario. Chai, do you remember those early conversations? No, it, it was very intense. Um, it really was a moment to, for us to pause and to stop and say, like, is there something we even want to be involved in? Alex Honnold is a good-looking, wiry 33-year-old with big brown eyes. He looks pretty unremarkable, but he really isn't like the rest of us. There's been a lot of speculation about, like, how I deal with fear and, like, how I'm able to free soul. People are just like, oh, well, he must be a thrill seeker. There must be something defective. The thing is that free solo climbing is an insanely dangerous sport. 
The list of famous free solo climbers reads a little like the obituary page. So Alex has a, a lot of different nicknames, you know, Spock, no big deal, Honald, Han Solo. And Spock because? <laughs> because he's kind of this very rational, non-emotive person. Alex may just have been born like that. He certainly was, as Chai puts it, a... Really geeky, awkward, scared kid. And that didn't seem to change much as he got older. There was definitely a time when I started climbing outside more and I was starting to road trip and go to campgrounds, but I was too afraid to talk to strangers. So I was doing a lot of soloing, or just a lot of climbing by myself just because I didn't know anybody and I didn't want to talk to anybody. So to dissect that a little, it was safer to climb rocks by himself than talk to another human being. And even to this day, you can sense a certain distance between Alex and other people. My friends who were like, oh, that'd be terrible. But if I kill myself in an accident, they'll be like, oh, that was too bad. But like life goes on, you know, like they'll be fine. I mean, and I've had this problem with, with girls a lot. You know, they're like, oh, I really care about you. I'm like, no, you don't. Like if I perish, like it doesn't matter. Like you'll find somebody else. Like that's not that's not that big a deal. Given that attitude, you won't be surprised to hear that Alex Honnold mostly lives alone in a van. It's a tricked out van, but still, it's a van. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love being in the van. Probably feel extra comfortable in the van now because I've lived in it for nine years. Alex drove his van to Yosemite to get ready for the most treacherous free climb in history. It would require nerves of steel and an almost inhuman amount of strength and skill and preparation. Each move, each tiny handhold and foothold had to be thought through and practiced and practiced. And that's what Alex did for months before he climbed El Cap. Pitch one to stay left towards the top, splitter, feels more secure. Pitch two, trust right foot, rock on, trust the feet, right hand to the last undercline. Eight, easy romp, go fast. Stay outside with the down climb, careful Pitch block. 26, so lie back corner, key left hand, right foot back, step edge, left foot against the wall, stand the huge ear jug thing, feet match the big jug, crack. Then you see right hand down pulling on the top right of the jug. You can see why shoving a camera in Alex's face while he was hanging by his fingernails 2,000 feet in the air seemed like a questionable idea. But if he was going to make this climb and someone was going to film it, there probably wasn't anyone better to do it than Chai Vassarelli and Jimmy Chin. Chai's an experienced documentary filmmaker, and Jimmy is a bit of a mountaineering god. He and the guys who'd be up there with him, he calls them his high-angle crew, had filmed thousands of hours hanging off of mountains. And most of them had known Alex for years. And ultimately, that's why Jimmy and Chai decided to do the film. Someone was going to film it, and who would Alex most trust to be there alongside him? You know, that's where we landed. And they trusted Alex to show good judgment about whether he should make the climb or not. We all wanted to support Alex as his friend to do it, you know. Uh, but we also wanted to be very careful about you know, shielding him from any external pressure of the film, if that makes sense, that he needed to do it for the film. Some of Free Solo from The Document from KCRW, hosted by Matt Holtzman, who produced the show with Sarah Pellegrini and Mike Schlitt. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.